Blog Talk Radio. July being over with. What this means is football is right around the corner. We're finally here. This is the last month. Well, actually, we get to see football, preseason football in the month of August. We get to talk football 24-7 up until kickoff and, you know, until February. It's football nonstop. So I know Jonathan's with us. We'll bring him on in just a moment. He will be co-hosting with me tonight. So that's August, September, October, November, December, January, February. Seven months, Jonathan, with football going on. Are you pumped or what? Oh, man, I am so excited. I I mean, I'm a baseball fan, don't get me wrong. But, uh, I I mean, without college football, I just, I, I, I lose my mind. I would do. I would go into a severe depression. They would have to do shock treatment therapy on me. I would be worthless without without football. And this show to me, I would not continue doing it if I couldn't talk football anytime I wanted to do it. So Jonathan, thanks for joining me tonight to to get us through this August what is it, August second today, right? Uh is it? Yeah, it is. Wow. Wow. Yeah, awesome. Is the Hall of Fame game tonight? Or is it next week? I think it's next week. Um, I didn't see it on TV, at least. So I, saw it I didn't either. I didn't either. Well, just to give you guys just a little preview of what tonight's about, there's two teams in the SEC East we're going to discuss in detail, Florida and Tennessee. Uh, we're going to talk about some power rankings with the conferences, the Big Five. We're going to get into a little NFL talk. I mean, Jonathan, this could be just – just a great night of football. But I'm going to start off this show with with someone that I adore, that that I look up to, Ronda Rousey, man. I mean, I would like to meet this, this woman, Jonathan. I mean, I'm amazed. That, like, she's the Mike Tyson of, of female boxing or UFC. I mean, this woman's amazing. Uh, she really is. Uh, yeah, one of my good friends is, uh, it, it used to be a UFC fighter in the 90s, and he's really gotten me into the sport more so lately, uh, um, especially during football offseason. It, it feeds my violence, uh, if you will. <laughs> and she's just outright dominating uh, round, you know, matches. She's dominating her competition. Her past, what, now three fights have gone on for a total of 64 seconds. And last night, she went out there and went for the knockout. I mean, she's usually really good at grappling. Is I mean, the arm bar is definitely her, her specialty. And last night, she decided she was going haymaker on, um, I, you know, poor Correa, who decided, you know, and, and for everybody out there, run your mouth like that. Be a fool run your mouth like that with, you know, half, not even half, a quarter of the training that Rousey's had in her lifetime and see what happens. 
I mean, Correa's only been yeah. doing it for four years. Rousey's been doing it her whole life because her mother was doing it. Hey, so what was yeah, it? If you expected anything else, I'm sorry. Well, look at the look in her eyes, man. My God. When they walked up to each other and they were looking at each other, uh, you know, you see people when they're mad, they're they're ready to knock somebody out. And you could just see in her eyes, it was, I'm coming out, I'm going to destroy you. And just <laughs> in 34 seconds or 36, whatever it was, it was over. I mean, you, the pay-per-view, people that pay for that to, to get to watch that, I mean, it's disappointing, but it's also phenomenal to be able to watch someone that dominant. I mean, I don't know if anyone will ever be her. Honestly, because I don't see many women out there with that kind of mentality, that kind of just she's angry and she's. I mean, I wouldn't want to fight her, Jonathan. That's the truth. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I honestly, I really wouldn't want to get in the ring with her myself. Um, and, you know, everybody keeps talking about you know Chris and Christine Cyborg, who you know there supposedly is the other top women fighter, if you will. Only problem is she's at a different weight class. And she's also a strike force. She hasn't been brought up to UFC. And the reason behind that is she's still on a couple of steroid uh, tests. You know, she's a known juicer. And every time that, she, you know, Rousey tried to get a fight going with her, the hang-up would be how the drug testing was handled. So, you know, until either Cyborg gets off the juice and agrees to come down to Rousey's weight, because the champion shouldn't have to fight at a catch weight. You know, come down to her weight. We've seen Cyborg do it before for a fight. Until that happens, we might not see another competitor for Rousey because if you think about it, women's MMA, it's really caught on maybe the past couple years, and she's now exploding it. So, you know, just now you're going to start seeing, you know, girls, you know, you know, 10, 12 years old who are really going to dive head first into it. Well, before, they probably would have done karate until like 12 and then just backed out and done, you know, soccer or whatever. So she's opening a whole new avenue just for young girls for another sport that they can partake in. Yeah, but I, I am a fan. I'm going to have to admit, I'm a Ronda Rousey fan. I just like her style, man, that mentality she brings to the table. And you don't you don't hear me on here talking about UFC fighting. So if I'm going to bring this up, Jonathan, it has to be something that, that re- she's really caught my eye. And she was in that movie, uh, what was the movie she was just in I saw? I can't remember. Uh, the name of it. Uh, what was that, Mark? I saw her I in remember. Expendables Three. She was in another one that was uh it was a funny movie where, you know, she was dating some guy and he was afraid of her. But it was a good movie. But Ronda Rousey is could be in she could be going into wrestling before long. That's how popular she is. But <laughs> UFC's no joke. It's growing, you know, it's a growing sport and I think a lot of people are starting to turn to it. But anyway, I just had to throw that out there, and I want to touch on Russell Wilson's contract. Jonathan, they did it. Seahawks signed Wilson four-year, $87.6 million. I mean, God. I mean, really, I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, how in the world is he the second? Isn't he the second highest-paid player in the NFL? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then to top that number off, Sixty-two million of it's guaranteed. It's the most guaranteed money given to a player because uh, he wanted more than a Dominican suit. That was his big sticking point, you know. And he wanted it all guaranteed. But while, you know, they obviously they came to a compromise, and the fact that it's only a four-year deal, I think, hugely beneficial for Seattle. 
Unfortunately for Seattle, they can't, you know, look at it, oh, after year three, we can bump you out. Um, you know, he has, you know, there, there's no cut in him. He's got to play this contract out, essentially. And we already saw the first, uh, the, the first casualty because of it. Tony McDaniel, who was a key contributor the, on that defensive line, was cut last night. Uh, because, and, and, you know, and it really was because they don't have money for him. They were able to give Bobby Wagner a new extension, which is great because he's been excellent for that defense as a linebacker. But you lost Malcolm Smith, who was the MVP of your Super Bowl, because you couldn't pay him. You have to cut McDaniel. You can't keep a corner opposite Richard Sherman. And Cam Chancellor's holding out right now. I mean, granted, he's making $4 million a year. So I'm looking back going, what are you holding out for? He just signed a new contract last year. What are you doing? And that's going to be the problem with this Russell contract. People are going to see how much money he got guaranteed in a percentage-wise of 75% and say, well, where's mine? Why isn't all mine guaranteed? That's the problem that Russell Wilson just opened. And, and that could cause some problems in the locker room. I mean, you know, quarterbacks are, are their own breed. But I know a lot of players in locker rooms, they really don't like quarterbacks. They think they're divas, especially – you look at the heart and soul of Seattle, the defense and Marshawn Lynch, and and those are the guys that, that are going to be looking at it like, oh, hold on just a second. You hand the ball off a couple of times, you game manage, and all of a sudden you're making all this money. We made you this money. Now show us some love. And, and I just think a guy that was forced out of NC State, really, wasn't going to win the job at NC State, went to Wisconsin, couldn't steal the deal. Now he's at Seattle, and he's making more money than, than just about anybody in the NFL. And I'll say this, and everybody knows I'm a Cam Newton fan. Russell Wilson can't hold Cam Newton's jock strap. I mean, he couldn't even sniff it if he wanted to. And and that's what aggravates me the most. This guy's a game manager. He does have a, a good head on his shoulders. He's not in the offseason. You know, he's not causing trouble. At least you can trust that. But I guess the only thing I can think of is who else are they going to get? We talked about that on the last show. Who else could Seattle get? But, my God, who could you get for that money instead of paying Russell Wilson all that? I mean, you can find a quarterback. You could get Ryan Mallett to come out and and be your quarterback for a lot cheaper. I just think they're making a big mistake, or they made a big mistake by doing this for Russell Wilson. Now you have people holding out. I think Seattle could be in a little trouble this year with the locker room chemistry, John. I agree. This could, this could be a huge issue. And, you know, Russell, um, I guess, was already not exactly the most popular guy. I know, you know, there were the rumors and confirmed, unconfirmed, whatever it was, between, you know, him and Percy Harvin and him and Golden Tate uh, having some, some issues. Um, and, and we've already seen that the locker room's full of a lot of alpha personalities, Sherman, Earl Thomas, Marshawn Lynch. These are all alpha guys. Uh, they all kind of shove each other around, if you will, for, for the microphone. Um, Lynch, you know, more more often than not, but just so we can say I'm not answering your comment. <laughs> but, you know, this is going to create issues because exactly what you said. You just got paid what? To hand the ball off 400 times? To dump it off to the tight end? For the, running, for the offensive line to give you protection for – you know, seven seconds, and most quarterbacks in the league are lucky to get four. I mean, come on. You know, for a defense to hold teams to fit 14 points a game, I mean, what, you know, why, why is he getting paid all this money? And it's the same reason why Kaepernick, Cutler, Dalton, Tannehill, um, Flacco, why they all got their contracts. 
you know, well, you don't want to let you have an average or, you know, or above starter. And I'd say Russell's at least an average quarterback. I don't think we can argue that. So you have an average or above starter. You don't want to let him go because you're looking around going, who are we going to replace him with? And, but, you know, you said Ryan Mallett. I automatically think of Brian Hoyer, who was 7-4 and four as a starter last year for injuries, you know, happened. Um, you know, you can find guys like that. So this is a lot of money to give to a guy that, you know, nobody's willing to argue he's a top-10 quarterback. But people are going to say, well, maybe he's top-15. Well, yeah, but that's, there's a huge drop-off yeah. between 16 and 20. Yeah, are you telling me a top fifteen quarterback's worth twenty two million, twenty three million a year with all this guaranteed money? I mean, look, I mean, there's a lot. There's only what? How I many thirty two teams in the NFL? Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're fifteen, you're average. I mean, to me, I mean, you're you're average. And I can sit here and list when I list my top ten quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson's not on that list. I mean, I'm sorry. I look at. To me, it's the best quarterback in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers. Would you agree with that? I would agree 100%. And I'm going to have to go with number two is Tom Brady. And I'm going to go three. And Peyton Manning, you know, I can't put him right there right now because of his age and his arm strength and injuries, but Peyton Manning to me is better. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. so many. There's so many Drew Brees. I mean, how can you – you, you discount him, and Cam Newton, to me, is a top-ten quarterback because of what he can do and what he's done with what he has around him. And and that's a guy that he got his money, you know, and, and he deserves it as well. But I'm not sitting there saying that anybody deserves more money than Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to sit there and say that. And if you look at that, if you look at the Seattle-Green Bay game of the NFC Championship, Green Bay had that game won easy. I mean, they were dominating Russell Wilson. This is Green Bay's defense, and they're not that good. And that game was in Seattle. A couple of fluke plays turned it around. But if you're a dominant quarterback making $23 million a year, don't you think that you could handle Green Bay at home without all those issues? You would. I mean, considering Rodgers was on one leg, so Green Bay's offense is handicapped as is. Uh, you know, you have, you have an injured Rodgers, you're at home, you're going up against a Green Bay defense that has proven to be porous. And, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you had a fake field goal for a touchdown, which I, don't, don't tell me that's great anything. That's great luck. You know, I, oh, you caught him by surprise. Yeah, congratulations, you got a fluke. You know, how many times did that play work? You know, you, you had the uh, – the, um, the guy from Green Bay who picked the ball off and immediately took a knee instead of, you know, trying to advance the ball. You had an onside kick that bounced off a guy's hand. You know, you had this amazing 15-minute scramble that resulted in a, a flip up in the air that led to uh, the two-point conversion in which they, they don't get that. Green Bay kicked the field goal and wins that game. So there's, there's no way, you know, you could, you know, anybody, or Russell had a bad day. When does Russell truly have a good day? The only game I saw that he had a good day, and I watch a lot of football, was against the Redskins on Monday night. Well, I sat there and went, wow, he's having a really good day. Other than that, you go, eh, he's having an average day. He looks terrible. You know, good job, Trent Dofer. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I look at quarterbacks, man. I'm sitting here looking at Luck, 
Rogers, Romo, Breeze, Manning. I'm sitting there, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Cam Newton. I mean, I'm not going to put Eli Manning, but he does have two Super Bowls, and, and he actually knows how to throw the football. I mean, I don't know. Russell Wilson, to me, he got it. Flacco, let's, let's not forget Flacco in there. I have to put him ahead of Russell Wilson with all the road wins he's had at the playoffs. I don't know. I'm just I'm not sitting here hating Russell Wilson, guys, and just saying he sucks or anything like that. I don't want people to think that I'm a Russell Wilson hater, but you have to know, Jonathan, from day one, that he came into Seattle, I just I thought he's been overrated, and, and I'm going to continue to say that. I thought Flacco was overrated. He made me eat my words a little bit, and I'm, I'm okay with admitting I'm wrong. But with Russell Wilson, there's no way I'm wrong about this. I mean, Jimmy Graham's there this year that could make him look a little better than than he is. But tell me, a, with quarterbacks, when I, when I think of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, Jonathan, I think of quarterbacks that can throw the ball vertically down the field. And does Russell Wilson really do that? He's really not a, a down, he's not a downfield passer. And, and his arm strength's always been something that people kind of look at and question a little, which is strange considering, you know, he was he was a middle infielder in baseball. You'd expect him to have a have a you know a wicked arm, but again, that's why he wasn't a pitcher. Um, so and he comes across more as an underneath routes guy. And that's the offense North Carolina State ran. If if you watched uh, North Carolina State when Russell and Glennon were there, they would spread you out four wide, and they would run a bunch of underneath crossing routes, quick slants, maybe a post here and there. But more of it was based off of deception and speed and pick routes. So, and that's that's what Russell ran. And at Wisconsin, he didn't have to throw it outfield. I mean, everybody's witnessed that. We've all seen at least one Wisconsin game. So, yeah, no, he's not a downfield passer. He that He's going to have to – that's why Percy Harvin was supposed to excel with him because Percy Harvin's not a downfield threat. They, you know, people say, oh, well, he's fast. But that's not his game. Percy Harvin's a little guy, you know. And this isn't I'm Steve Smith. I'm little, but I'll outman you. This is I'm Percy Harvin. I can't outman nobody, so I'm going to run a bunch of drags and screens. And Russell couldn't even really, you know, use him to his full potential. Yeah, that's some good points. And, and I'm going to tell you another quarterback that I think is going to be better than Russell Wilson. Y'all may laugh at me on here, but Jameis Winston in Tampa, I think he's going to be a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, John. Oh, God, I hope maybe so. not, I'm tired of losing. Maybe not, maybe not this year. Maybe not, you know, this year. But let's say through two, three years from now, we're going to be looking at Jameis Winston um, in this division with Cam Newton and Matt Ryan will be older, Drew Brees will be gone. It'll be Jameis Winston and Cam Newton's division. That's going to be interesting to see. Marcus Mariota, you never know what he can do. But I, I just – and I'm not hating this guy. I hate people to think I'm a hater of Russell Wilson. But, look, when you're overrated, you're overrated. I mean, if it would be like my company calling me and saying, Brian, we're going to pay you – you know, you make – you make ten thousand dollars a year. We're gonna pay you two million. That's what you we're gonna do. Really? When you can go out and get somebody else, you can get twenty million people better. You know to add up to do what I do. It's just to me, it doesn't make sense. Russell Wilson has caused some problems in that locker room, and it, you'll see it this time. But looking at the division, St. Louis is probably the only team that could give them any kind of issues, and we'll see them in the first week. So, I mean, it's a weak division. To say they win their division, Jonathan, is not going to be something because of Russell Wilson. It's going to be because of the 
the division. It went from the best in football to probably one of the weakest. I agree. It really did go. You know, I hate we, we I hate saying that because San Francisco, nobody saw the implosion happening last year. I mean, we knew Kaepernick was going to struggle at quarterback again, but I don't think anybody expected what happened. Nobody was really, you know, you know, really predicting that Harbaugh would be gone. You have Justin Smith, Patrick Willis, Frank Gore, you know, uh, Anthony Davis, uh, you know, all these guys just gone. You know, you got guys retiring before they hit 30. You got old-time veterans. Michael Crabtree's gone. Uh, Borland's gone. I mean, he retired after one year. So I, I don't know if anybody expects that hemorrhage, but let's not forget, Arizona won 12 games last year. And they were 9-1 with Palmer and Stanton. You know, they lost their top two quarterbacks and still won 12 games. You know, they went through four quarterbacks because their top two were both outfielding and injuries by week 10. I think Arizona could be a team that could give Seattle a run for the money this year as long as they can keep guys healthy. And that all falls back on your trainers and your offensive line. Um, I mean, St. Louis, could they make a run? Yeah, but I'm tired of waiting for it. We've been waiting for St. Louis to show up for, what, three years now, and they still haven't done it. And maybe that's Sam Bradford's fault. Maybe that's Fisher's fault. I don't know. I don't care. They'll finish in third place again. Yeah, I mean, they, they have Gurley. He's not going to be around probably till week six. I, I just don't think the Rams are, you know, Trey Mason's a good little back. He's a good situational back. He's not one that – Right now, I think it's going to get them through that division. They need a, a girly top back that can blow up. They need consistent quarterback play. The defense, I think, is going to be okay, but this is a quarterback lead. I mean, this is a big play kind of lead. You need somebody like Gurley. If Gurley comes in and just goes out of his mind for the rest of the season when he comes back, they may have a shot to get in the wild card, but it's Seattle's division. I'm safe to say that Seattle's probably going to win that division, but that doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl. They they should have beaten New England last year. They didn't. And I just think that's the end of the run for Seattle. I think now, after two years in a row playing in the Super Bowl, you can't hold on to everybody. People are going to start leaving. Cuervo in the chat room said for me to stop hating on Russell Wilson. I mean, anybody would like to call in and tell me why you think Russell Wilson's worth that money, 646-716-5564. I'd love to listen to it. It's okay. I'll listen and value your opinion, but right now, I'm just not going to buy into that hype, Jonathan. I can't do it. I'm sorry, man. But uh, anyway, uh, if anybody wants to call in, we'll, I'll go back. We'll, we'll go back in the show. I don't care what we're talking about. and We'll talk about Russell Wilson. I'm okay with that. Aren't you, Jonathan? Let's just stop what we're doing if somebody wants to debate it, and we will. Yeah, Maybe – and, and here's Cuervo's probably going to tell me that Aaron Rodgers is probably not as good as Russell Wilson because – he hates Green Bay, but but we'll see. <laughs> 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 nah, we Cuervo dreams of Russell Wilson. Yeah, Cuervo's going to call in tonight and talk some Tennessee volunteers with us. Can't wait to talk about his balls. I, it may surprise you where I have Tennessee finishing this year, where I have their records. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the the coaches' poll came out in college football, and you know how much I think about. The coaches poll anyway, Jonathan. I think it's garbage. Um, these guys, I mean, especially during the season, maybe I'll put more stock into it now, but 
when the season goes on, I really don't pay attention to the coaches' poll. But, you know, you look at the top 25, eight SEC teams are, are in this ranking, which is not too shabby. Would you agree? I mean, it's a lot of teams. Let's see how many of them, you know, can hang around for the whole year. Um, but, I mean, eight of the top 25 is pretty impressive. That's about 30%. Yeah, the Big 12 had three, the Pac-12 six. And the Pac-12, the, the ones that are ranked in there, they have Oregon, really, and, and USC. But after that, there's just these, you know, seven and five teams that beat up on each other. The Pac-12 is a pretty good conference. But how do you discount the Big 12 with uh, – and I know as a conference as a whole, you can you can look at it. But when you have two teams in the top four, I have to pay attention to your conference. TCU two, Baylor three, you know, Oklahoma's down. Texas is not in there, but you never know when they can make a comeback. Kansas State's a team that I'm surprised is not ranked. They're always consistent. They're always in there. But the Big Ten with three teams, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin, that shows you right there what kind of road Ohio State has to the championship this year. Oh, yeah. It really does, and if you look around, probably the fourth and best team, at least preseason-wise, ranking-wise, you know, people have, like, Michigan and Nebraska, they're going through head coaching changes. So, I mean, what what an easy road where your three, four, or five teams in your conference are going through head coaching changes in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Nebraska. Your number six team is coming off two years of probation in Penn State, Uh and, you know, so, I mean, really? you got to beat Michigan State, and you're essentially in. Well, well, hold on, Jonathan. We're going to take a step back. Uh, Jason Humphrey wanted to come in and talk about Russell Wilson, I believe. So we're going to stop college <laughs> football, like I said. We're going to stop it right now. We're going to go back. Jason, um, welcome, welcome to the show. You think Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in the NFC West? No, no, I was I was asking. I, I don't I don't think he is. Okay. You you could make well, a case for Nick Foles that's in St. Louis or Carson Palmer in Arizona and then you could even go one step further than Carson Kaepernick. I was just making uh, your case. Okay. I think Russell Wilson probably yeah. to me I would rather have him out of those Three quarterbacks, your name, Jonathan. What do you think? I, I think Russell Wilson's probably the best quarterback out of those four. Uh, Kaepernick is a disaster. Carson Palmer can't stay healthy, or I'd gladly take him. Um, and I haven't seen Foles in St. Louis's offense yet. I saw what he can do in Philly, and I was impressed. Um, but I'd like to see what he can do at the talent level. That step down in talent, if you will, in St. Louis before I, I anoint him. Anything because he really wasn't even that impressive at Arizona. That's why his success at at Philadelphia has caught everybody off guard. So Russell, right now, I think is the best quarterback in that division. But um, a healthy Palmer or you know Foles has a good year. Um, he throws him. Yeah, and Foles is a product of Chip Kelly. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Chip Kelly could make me a, a top quarterback. I mean, it's his system, Nick Foles was a, a good quarterback in that system. I don't think he goes the same. I think this was a dumb trade by St. Louis. I think Bradford was a better fit. Now you're going to have Foles come in, and now your team's going to take a bigger step back because he's stuck. Oh, they 
I think that was a great trade because Bradford's making sixteen million, Foles is making maybe nine hundred thousand. Um and Philly <laughs> traded St. Louis a second round pick as well in that trade. St. Louis got the better end of that deal because they shed fifteen million dollars and gained and gained a, a second round pick. So I'm gonna give them the edge in that trade. Now Looking at it, you might be right. Bradford might be better suited for that offense, but Bradford's like Palmer. He can't stay on the field. I have no faith in Sam Bradford. I have a strong feeling Mark Sanchez will be the starting quarterback in Philadelphia by week eight. And not because Bradford's not playing well, because he's hurt again. He can't stay healthy. How about, says he busted how about up the Tebow? Shoulder. How about Tebow? You know, he could probably start for Philly – and it would look just like the the Oregon offense they had with, like, Dennis Dixon um, and Jeremiah Masoli. Probably Masoli would be the offense that would remind everybody. And I think that could be fun. Supposedly, from what I heard, Tebow's reworked his throwing motion. He looks really good. Uh, you know, the teammates are really impressed. It seems like he's going to stick around, uh, which means Matt Barkley is probably going to get kicked out the door. So, I'm a... Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with Timmy. He could start this year, and all Tebow's done in all reality is win. I'm not a fan of what I've seen from him as a as a quarterback, a true quarterback. He's not good. Don't let anybody lie to you. But as a winner, he is that. He wins games, and that's his nice. He's not going to be Peyton Manning, but he does win. He's a winner. You're right, and. Let's get back to college. Jason Humphrey, thank you for the call. If you'd like to call back in, press number one when we talk, start talking college. We're going to go through the top 25 and the coaches, um, talk about some conference strengths, and we're going to break down Florida Tennessee. But, Jonathan, when we talk about I'm going to go five at a time. And uh, tell me what you think about these teams. Like, And then we'll talk about who's over, not every team, but just give me agree or disagree or if something just jumps out at you. And then we'll talk about who's overrated, who's underrated in this poll. So let's start out, um, you know, let's do the top 25. Tennessee 25 coming off, you know, they got a a big win over Iowa in a bowl game, a lot of people coming back. Boise 24, uh, Missouri 23, Arizona 22, Stanford 21, and Arkansas 20. Anything stand out to you with those five? Um. That's a good list. Those are all good teams. I agree with all of them being top twenty-five teams. Boise, I think they're they're going to be pretty good this year. I agree with you on that. Uh, Tennessee, I think is is underrated. I think they're they're going to be better than that. Missouri is a team. Mm, I just don't know if they're a top twenty-five team, but we'll find out. So let's let's move on. Oklahoma at nineteen. Wisconsin eighteen. Georgia Tech 17, Arizona State 16, and Ole Miss 15. Um, Georgia Tech's criminally underrated. Agree. Uh, I'm going to say that. I, I like Ole Miss in the top 25. I think they can be a good team. Arizona State, why the love? I, I don't know why. I mean, I'd love for somebody to actually explain to me. Um, Wisconsin, I, that seems like a fair spot. Oklahoma, in all reality, that seems like a fair spot. All right, Ole Miss, 
you know, I'm still questioning the running game and the quarterback play. The defense is phenomenal. Um, They still have a tendency to not be consistent. But 15, I think, is a fair spot. I agree. Georgia Tech is going to be a lot better. They could be a top 10 team about halfway through the year, and they could make some noise in the ACC. So let's move on. 14, UCLA, 13, LSU, Clemson, 12, Notre Dame, 11. Um, why, why, I understand Clemson, why? That's how I look at that. Um, I, I don't think UCLA, LSU, or Notre Dame have any business being in the top 15. I have to agree, LSU, I mean, I mean, what did they do last year, really? The quarterback play, they don't have one. I mean, one of the, uh, quarterbacks actually is not going to jail, so he'll be back in the race. But with Harris, what's his name? I'm talking the other quarterback. I'm sorry. I'm just missing uh, his name It's Anthony right now. Harris and um, – right. Oh, Brandon Harris and Anthony Jennings. There we go. Yeah, that's right. See, Anthony Jennings, if he hasn't done it by now, he's not going to do it. So – Harris against all. I just keep going back to that Auburn game last year. Watching him. And, I mean, my God, he completed three passes against one of the worst defenses in the country. I mean, they shut him down and just humiliated <laughs> him. Now, I, I just don't know if LSU's got what it takes to be there. Clemson, see, I'm I'm different, Jonathan. I think Clemson could be pretty good this year. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, I think, they're, I think Notre Dame at 11 is fair. I, I think that's a fair ranking for Notre Dame. Okay, I I, I, don't, I don't I don't I just don't see it from Notre Dame, and maybe that's maybe that's a slight bias coming out. Um, you know they'll be breaking in a new quarterback. Clemson number twelve seems fair, if not maybe a little low. I think they could be a very good team. I mean, they can rely a lot on their offensive line. Yeah, I just think the Pac-12 gets a lot of love, too. Looking at UCLA, their quarterback play, they're all about the quarterback play, but they seem to have trouble playing defense. Out west, but we'll see. Number ten, a team: Southern Cal at ten, Georgia at nine, Florida State at eight, Auburn at seven, Michigan State at six. What do you think? USC at ten. If we're going off recruiting, then yeah, that makes sense. They they're great at recruiting. Uh, same with Georgia. I think USC has more of a shot of be, of finishing the top ten than Georgia, though. Even though. You know, the way the SEC looks, Georgia could actually finish at number nine and be like, you know, 10 and two and win, and win their half. So I, I just think Georgia is, I think Georgia should be below Georgia Tech. That's just me personally. Florida State at eight, it is what it is. You know, I'm a Florida State fan. It is what it is. We were, what, preseason number 13 the year we won the championship. We were preseason number three the year we lost five games. So it is what it is. Um, Auburn at seven seems low. I I would have them in the you know, and, and it's weird saying that because of how high it is, in all reality. But I, I'd have them in the top five. Then again, they they are coming off a season, um, but they did lose. You know, how, how many games did they lose last year? Was it four? Five, five, five. Overall. You know, so I understand why they're at seven, um, but you know that that does seem a little low to me. Yeah, Auburn started at seven and one, and you know they came after that big win on the road at Ole Miss. They came in, 
took Texas A&M for granted, lost that game, and the wheels fell off. And you have to guess what? You have to go to Georgia. You have to go to Alabama after that. It's just, it's just very tough when you when you realize it's over and you don't have a pass rush. But I think seven that kind of surprised me because I do think that they should be probably a top five team. Looking at Will Muschamp coming, Carl Lawson's coming back. They recruited very well. Jeremy Johnson, Duke Williams, some great running backs. We'll see. But, I mean, Auburn's one of those teams. I'm glad they're not too high because seven's one of those rankings where you, you know, you can have a chip on your shoulder with that. You're up there in the top two or three. I think it puts a lot of pressure on you. Um, Six, Mm -hmm. Michigan State. Oh, yeah, we said Michigan State. I think Michigan State, that's a perfect ranking for them. But I, I would put Michigan State ahead of Oregon, though. Oregon's at five, by the way. I agree with that. I just think Oregon's a little bit overrated right now. Baylor at four. Honestly, Jonathan, I think Baylor's overrated. They played one of the weakest non-conference schedules I've ever seen. But uh, losing losing their quarterback is going to be tough. I mean, you just don't replace a quarterback of that caliber and expect not to have a drop-off. And we have Bama at three. I think Bama at number three is a little bit too high with what they've lost on offense and defense and no quarterback really that we don't know about. Jonathan, Bama at number three, I think that's high. Uh, On Baylor, they replaced RG3 just fine. Seth Russell coming in. Seth Russell is a good-looking quarterback. I have a lot of faith in him. Baylor and TCU, their their game is to side to, you know, is in the top four most likely, uh, who might even be number one or number two. Uh, Baylor at number three, I agree. No quarterback makes you very suspect of Alabama. Very suspect. Um, the lack of a returning off starting offensive linemen. I, I mean, if that doesn't make you think twice about this team, I don't know what will. And granted, they can, they've can they been producing a lot of linemen lately. Don't get me wrong. But we don't have, uh, you know, a real experience at receiver. We don't have a lot of experience on the offensive line there. So number three seems very high for a team that you're really just returning, you know, some running back on offense. Yeah, TCU two, Ohio State one. I can't really argue with those two. I think they got it right with those. I think TCU is mm-hmm. probably the best team in the country. If you if you think about it, what they if they had made the playoff last year, which they should have, they would have won the national championship. Interested to see how they do now. You know, with the the bullseye on them, they're not coming out of nowhere again. I mean, this Ohio State and TCU, they're 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 real good teams, very well coached. That that does have some pressure. And you talk about Ohio State with four of their starters suspended for the first one. We already were worried about that, Jonathan, that first game against Virginia Tech. Now you you take uh, their best defensive player out and three receivers. I mean, we have a ball game here. Well, and if, if you really want to see how, how, how big this was, don't think this was Vegas, you know, overreacting, if you will. This is them actually great judging. Ohio State was a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. A couple days for that suspension. After that suspension, the line was pulled off the board, put back on six hours later at 10-and-a-half. That line has gone from 17-and-a-half to (laughs) 10-and-a-half in certain books now. 
Think about that. A full touchdown. Not only are people hammering money on Virginia Tech, but even Vegas is starting to double double think what they what they put out there. At this point, I'm looking at it going, well, crap. You know, I don't think I bet enough on it. But <laughs> I mean, that that should tell you something right there. The lines dropped to ten and a half, and that that, that you know. That should make you nervous. That should make you really nervous yeah. if you're a Ohio State fan. Vegas is usually pretty good. Whoever's favorite in a game usually tends to win. But in college, when you're favored on the road, that's more of a 50-50 split. Yeah, it's all about those 10-point favorites, too, man. There's, those are upset cities. And, and here's the deal. Ohio State, even though they have two good quarterbacks, they still haven't settled on one. I just, I just don't know. It's just something weird about Ohio State this year. They have an easy path. I mean, no doubt about it. And we have Cuervo in the studio with us tonight. Cuervo, welcome to the, the show tonight. Glad to have you, man. Appreciate you having me on as well, How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. What are your thoughts on the rankings so far? Uh, you know, I mean, there are a couple, you know, we always talk about it every year. Some some teams are underrated. Some teams are overrated. Um, so far, I haven't really seen a team that I think is necessarily underrated. Uh, but I do have a couple, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, that uh, that are uh, a little overrated. For, uh, the first one I'm looking at is, I think, and you guys may think I'm totally off base here, but I mean, maybe it's for the recruiting purposes, but Notre Dame at 11 kind of surprises me a little bit. I think that's kind of high for, for a team that finished 8-5 and five last year. And, and maybe it's because who they have coming back, which does not include Everett Golson. So maybe that's why I'm so shocked that they're, that they're ranked as high as they are. And then you mentioned it earlier, Tarvin, uh, Baylor at four, losing their quarterback, losing uh, their, uh, you know, the other playmakers on offense. I just think that's a little high for a team like that. So those two teams I don't necessarily agree with as far as where their ranking is. Yeah, and I don't like the defensive play of Baylor. And it's if you can play defense, like say you're Alabama and you have a defense, okay, your quarterback is not sold yet. Oh, I can live with that. You can win. But Baylor, who are they going to stop? They're going to have to score 50 a game almost to win. And does the quarterback they have replacing uh, – God, I'm bad with names. Uh, uh, what's his name, for God's sake, Petty. Baylor's quarterback? Bryce Petty left. Who? They, I mean, that's not like just replacing some average quarterback. That guy could get it down the field. He could put points on the board. And now they, they actually go to TCU this year. And if Baylor loses a game, guys, it's over. I mean, they're not going to be able to to make the playoff with that out-of-conference schedule. They play Lamar. I didn't even know Lamar had a team. Sam Houston State, I believe, and who else did they play? I mean, this is the worst schedule I've ever seen from a team, and you're going to put them at number four. I just don't, I just don't see how in the world you could put Baylor ahead of Michigan State when Michigan State beat them last year in a bowl game, and then brings their quarterback back. How you could put them ahead of Auburn right now that that actually can score better than Baylor can? So. I don't know. I'm with you, Cuervo, on Baylor. What about Alabama at three? What do you think? Um, well, you know that that there, there's going to be a lot of debate about Bama just because of 
you know, all the different opinions that you have. I think, I think Bama's good at where they're at. I think number three is a, a spot that I think is, you know, where they should be. I, I'm just surprised that a team like TCU is ahead of them. And, and, and I think rightfully so. I mean, you know, the, the, the big, the big argument was about them getting uh, that fourth spot last year. And, and by the way, I think TCU is going to crush Baylor this year, but so there's no way Baylor goes undefeated in my opinion, but um yeah, it, that that does kind of surprise me a little bit as far as TCU, and and I think that has a lot to do with obviously the way they beat Ole Miss in their bowl game. Uh, but um, you know, it doesn't hurt to have your quarterback, uh, uh, what's his name, Boykin. He he's back too, so that that has a lot to do, I think, with them being number two over an SEC powerhouse like Alabama. Just it surprises me, but hey, you know, they they always talk about give the 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 little guys a chance. Well, TCU, this is your opportunity. This is your this is your chance. Yeah, and I, I just I don't know, man. I, I think I put Ohio State and Baylor in the same category. If you lose a game, you're done. I mean, look at Ohio State's out of conference schedule. Look at Baylor's Ohio State the same way last year. They lost by 14 to Virginia Tech at home, and to me, they didn't have enough credibility to come and and make the playoff. Baylor. After what they did last year, you know, with Art Bryles just blasting the committee, I don't think they're going to give him any favors. Some people disagree with me and think they're going to give him more benefit of the doubt. But look, Jonathan, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're Baylor and you got left out for your out of conference schedule, don't you think you could have found someone to play you, you know, for this year? You would think. Uh, I, I mean, I understand why they play SMU. That's a rivalry. I get that. That's a long-time rivalry. Um, but Lamar and Rice, just they just make me scratch my head seeing those two games. You, you know, at least TCU's got Minnesota. Ohio State's got Virginia Tech. You know, Auburn has Louisville. Somebody has somebody. You know, they're playing somebody at a conference that, that you're impressed by. And Baylor really doesn't have one. You know, they they have two doormats and a Division two team. You know, and one of those yeah. games is a road game. That's the sad reality of it. Baylor's going to, to SMU. Like, that makes a bunch <laughs> of a difference. The line is 34. Think about that for a second. They're favored by 34. Y'all, yeah, that's going to be a daunting road game. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look at Alabama. They Every year they play somebody that – good from the out-of-conference. They're playing Wisconsin, and not to mention probably the toughest SEC schedule there is. Ohio State doesn't even play Wisconsin. And and, and that's in their conference. And Michigan State, they beat Michigan State. It's over. I mean, Ohio State's undefeated probably. If they get past Michigan State and Virginia Tech, it's just not fair that people beat up on the SEC about their scheduling. Yeah. I mean, Auburn plays Sanford and Chattanooga, but they also play somebody good from the out of conference. You see Florida playing, at least they'll play Florida State, but that's it. Florida will not play anybody out of the state of Florida for an out of conference game. I'll bash them. Vanderbilt will never play anybody. Look at Tennessee. Every year they're playing somebody like Oregon, Oklahoma. I mean, it's, I mean they're having to play these games just to keep people from whining, and people are still complaining about the schedule. But uh, I think the SEC out-of-conference schedule, Jonathan, I don't think you can really argue. It's, it's pretty tough besides a couple of teams. It's, it's, it's tough. 
for the most part, I mean, it, it's hard to disagree with that. Um, I mean, you know, if you look at Florida, you know, and like you were just saying, I will bash Florida to the end of time just because of I'm a, I'm a Florida State fan. But, I mean, even at a conference, they still got to play Florida State. Yeah, I guess give them that bone that, you know, they still, well, you know, our, our, our state representatives still won't let them back out of it. They try it again. Um, East Carolina, <laughs> that's their toughest non-conference game uh, outside of FSU. So, you know, Georgia's got – Georgia Southern Georgia. maybe is their toughest game. You know, I or mean, Georgia Kentucky's Tech. got – Well, yeah, Georgia Tech. And I have a hard time counting those Viber games out of conference games. You know what I mean? Because yeah, that's such too. a staple now. It really is such a staple. You know, there's no way those games are replaced. Hey, Kentucky's got nobody. You know, uh, they got to go. They got to play Lafayette. Missouri, Missouri's got Connecticut. I mean, yeah, are you were, Missouri, you ever played? Missouri's anybody. actually playing BYU this year in November. Uh, still, that's the toughest game they played out of conference since they joined the SEC. Yeah, well, they've also won the SEC East two years in a row, so they're doing something right. <laughs> South Carolina's playing North Carolina and Illinois this year. Tennessee's playing Oklahoma. Vanderbilt's playing Houston. I guess that counts. I mean, Alabama's got Wisconsin. You know, for anybody to knock on them for playing Charleston Southern, how about y'all go schedule Wisconsin? Arkansas is playing Texas Tech. Auburn's got Louisville. LSU's going to Syracuse, which, believe it or not, is a tough place to play up there. That, that dome's small and it's loud. I mean, Ole Miss is even playing at Fresno State. Ole Miss opens against Florida State next year. And then Florida State plays Bama the year after that. And if Auburn hadn't taken the Oregon deal, we would have played Auburn the year after that. So the SEC is scheduling at a conference. Don't let anybody lie to you. Yeah, there's certain teams that aren't doing it. You know what? Those teams suck to begin with. They need every win they can get to be a, to be bowl eligible. Yeah, I know the Big Ten is talking about taking these smaller schools off their schedule, but all they're going to do is put some cream puff on there like Rice or somebody. They're not going to play anybody good. Ohio State's never going to play rarely anybody. I think Ohio State played Miami one time. That was when I remembered Ohio State playing someone. But Ohio State will not leave, usually the state of Ohio. And Cuervo, tonight we're about to talk about a team that, that's your favorite team. And one thing about it, the Tennessee Volunteers, we have someone that supports them, and we also have someone that hates Florida. So we have we have two teams tonight that should be pretty interesting to preview. Are you guys ready to get into it? Oh, yeah. Oh, about as ready right. as Ronda Rousey is before a fight. I love Ronda Rousey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to see if she can come on for an interview. What do you think, guys? Can I get Ronda on the show? I'll get on last about 30 seconds, Carvin. Oh, that's all I need. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> hey, an interview. I mean, she'll, 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 she'll knock me out in 30 seconds here on the show probably. But you know what? That's exactly what I'm saying. If, if 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 I go a minute with her, at least I've gone longer than anybody else has. So if I can get her on the air for an hour or for a minute and have her conversate with me. But but it, but it was funny last night. She told the girl after she knocked her out, don't cry. Don't cry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I say to Florida fans at pretty much an every year basis now. 
Cuervo, I'm gonna ask you an honest question right now. Do you think you could you could beat Ronda Rousey in a fight? Uh, I think uh, under certain circumstances, yeah. Like for example, if she had her hands tied behind her back, I think I'd have a shot. <laughs> and and this is a marine here we're talking to, guys. This is not your your average Joe. This is a marine. Saying this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to remember, she trains all day, every day. If I had that opportunity, then, you know, we'd be, I'd be having a different answer. But um, I'll tell you what, let, let me put a let me put a 70-pound pack on her back and let's go hiking up some hills. We'll see who finish, uh, who lasts longer then. But, uh, well, you know, you know, yeah, she, she doesn't have train every day to be a fighter. She, she might be able to hang with you on that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. She She weighs like... What one forty? So, it's it's a lot. It's it's a lot for somebody of that. Yeah. Of that uh, well, I'll, size, tell you, I'll tell you this: if I could if I could hit her one time, I, I would knock her out. That would be the only way. I'd have to get a cheap shot in on her. I'd have to hit her when she wasn't looking or something, and then, you know. But yeah, I, I think this girl is is just a beast, man. This beast mode. You talk about Marshawn Lynch and beast mode. Ronda Rousey's always the beast mode. But uh, anyway, yeah. let's get back to college football here, and we'll start with the Florida Gators. Um, the Florida Gators Yay. are coming off a, a great season uh, last year. <laughs> what what they win? Four games? Uh, no, Five they games. actually won seven. They actually won seven. Okay, I'm sorry. It just seemed like four or five. But yeah, the one, one game got canceled, right? Oh yeah, the Idaho game. Yeah, it was canceled. But the Florida Gators come back this year, guys. And I know a lot of people are are talking about them coming back high. But let let me tell you some things I have some problems with for Florida this year. Get us started here. I don't like their quarterback situation really, but I think I think their coach could come in and and actually do something with the quarterback. The defensive line and linebacker position is a big question mark for me, guys. The offensive line is a question mark. They're secondary, second to nine. Uh, new punter. I mean, I don't see any explosiveness on this offense, really. DeMarco Robinson's good. They play two tough SEC West opponents, and their schedule in October is just brutal. So I, I look at Florida, and I don't know what y'all think. And we'll go through each of you and, and talk about you. You know, with September with New Mexico State, East Carolina, at Kentucky, and then they host Tennessee. I mean, Jonathan, I'll start with you. I think two and two right there. I think they could lose to Kentucky and Tennessee. On the road to Kentucky, Kentucky's going to be improved. Well, you know, if it wasn't for some poor refereeing last year, Kentucky would have beaten Florida in triple overtime. So, um, yeah, I, I firmly believe, Florida, you know, Tennessee, I mean, Florida traveling to Kentucky this year. I could easily see Kentucky winning that game. And Florida beat Tennessee by one last year. Remember, that was a Tennessee team that didn't have Dobbs at quarterback yet. They were a ma- massively, massive just embarrassment on offense. Now that they have Dobbs and we've seen what he can do for that offense, I don't think Florida stands a chance, even though that game is in, uh, you know, that little puddle in Gainesville. Yeah, Bud Jones will have them ready. Cuervo, in the month of September, what do you think Florida's going to go? I think they'll lose probably uh, – well, do they play Tennessee in September? Yes, they do. Okay. Yeah. So that'll yeah. be a loss. And I'm going to 
I'm going to say they beat Kentucky as, as much as I would like to see Kentucky win that game. I just don't. I just don't know. I think it's it could be a mental thing for Kentucky, man. They've lost to them so many years now. I I don't know if they beat them yet in the past few years, but I know it's it's got to be at least what 15 years now that that uh, that they haven't beaten Florida. So I don't know if it's a if it's just a mental thing or not, but you know it's just certain certain uh, streaks that it's hard to, you know, just like the Navy and Notre Dame thing, but uh, eventually, you know, the streaks are meant to be broken, but I, I just don't think Kentucky will beat them. It'll be really close, but um, I, I'm going to say Florida will uh, go in October 3-1. and one. I'm going to say 2-2. Two and two. Jonathan, what do you say? I'm saying 2-2. Two and two. All right, let's move to October. Ole Miss, they host Ole Miss. They go to Missouri, they go to LSU, and then they play Georgia in a neutral side. Uh, Cuervo, what do you think they go in, in the month of October in those four? I think they only win one game. That first game that you mentioned, Ole Miss, I think that's the only game they win in the Ooh. month of October. Going to going to Missouri and then going to LSU, that's going to be tough. And then they finish it off, you said against uh, Georgia. I think the uh, – uh-huh. You know, as much as we bash Georgia, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna be flooded. There's too much change for Florida this year, guys. They're gonna be a very unstable team. Uh, I like the changes that they made, just because you don't know who the head coach is. So that's a good thing if you're a Florida hater. But um, you know, I, I just I just feel like Florida is a little too unstable going into the season, and uh, they're really gonna struggle this year. So you're saying one and three in October, Jonathan? What are you gonna say? Uh, they go zero and four. Um, now I'm yeah. not even taking twice. <laughs> Ole Miss is gonna beat them up. Missouri's gonna beat them up. LSU's gonna spit them out, and then Georgia's gonna flush them down the toilet. It's not even gonna be close. It's not gonna. Well, it'll be very funny though. I'm gonna love watching it. I mean, think about it. They're returning two running backs and a receiver, and Taylor Lane and Robinson who are very talented, right? They got nothing else coming yep. back. I mean, Tron Harris is coming back, but he's not even supposed to start. You know, and Cuervo, I looked it up. Last time Kentucky beat Florida, 1986. Yeah, that's a long time. 30 years ago. They, and they play every year. So you're right. It must be a mental block for Kentucky. It has to be. Um, but I, I hopefully they can break it this year. But anyways, 0-4. I think Ole Miss has a better defense than Florida. They win that game. Um, I don't think Florida is going to be able to go on the road and win this year at, at, you know, at LSU or at Missouri. That's going to be too tough for them. And I think Georgia gets them back for last year. And that's how that rivalry seems to work. Somebody gets it upset in the next year, the losing team smacks them back. So it's, it's, be fun to, it's going to be a fun month, hopefully, for, for yeah. me to watch. Yeah, it's a revenge game, that one. I think Missouri, um, the way they beat them down last year in the swamp, and and just I think Missouri's defense is okay. I'm with Queer. I mean, I'm with Jonathan on this one. 0 and four. That's what I had written down before this show started. So that puts them at two and six for me and Jonathan, and it puts them at four and four for Cuervo after eight. Now the month of November is easier for these guys. They play. They host Vanderbilt. They go to South Carolina. They host Florida Atlantic, and they host Florida State. Cuervo. I mean, how many do they win in the month of November? I'll say two and two. They're going to lose to Florida State, and they're going to lose to uh, 
Oh, crap. You just said who they were playing. So, yeah, South Carolina, that's who they're going to lose to as well. So they'll beat up on Florida Atlantic, and they'll beat up on uh, Vanderbilt. So I I don't think there will be much of an issue there. But uh, I'll tell you what, though, it wouldn't surprise me if Vanderbilt wins that game. Would not surprise me one bit. So I'll say that's two and two, possibly even one and three. Jonathan. Uh, I'll tell them a bone and say they go two and two. We'll celebrate April 8th again, four and eight day. Um, I mean, they, they should manhandle Florida Atlantic, but also, we also said they should manhandle Georgia Southern. So we all saw that worked out and know that game will never disappear. Uh, Vanderbilt, like Cuervo said, could beat them. Vanderbilt's a dumpster fire, though. They got a lot of issues going on there. I don't know, you know, even though that game is in November, I don't know if they can get it together. Steve Spurrier loves beating Florida. So that's going to happen. And Florida State's going to beat Florida by 20-plus points this year in the swamp. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be great to watch. And I'm going to get really, really, really drunk in that parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> Cuervo, Cuervo has them 6-6. Six and six. Jonathan and I have them 4-8. and eight. I mean, 4-8 and eight for a Florida team. Not that good, guys. And let's bring Quinn on real quick. Let's see what he is. Let's see if it was Quinn. One second, I apologize. Quinn, welcome to the show, buddy. Hello. What the heck? Hello. What's going on, Hello. man? Hello. Not much. I guess we have some connection problems. Hold on, let me try to bring him back on. All right, Quinn, give us your thoughts on the Florida Gators. I have Florida going six and six. I have them losing every game in October. I have them winning every game in November except for the Florida State game. And then I have them beating Kentucky. Okay, well, then that could happen. Cuervo has them six and six as well, but but even six and six, if you're a Florida Gators fan, it's still a very disappointing year for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. they're in a pretty bad situation, so I mean. With the new coaching staff, I don't know. Well, you're starting think, a freshman at right tackle. You're starting a sophomore at left tackle. Yeah. I mean, nobody's returning on that offensive line except the senior, Trip Thurman. I mean, they have nobody returning. I mean, maybe that's a good yeah. thing. That offense sucks so bad that maybe some fresh faces may do it some good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A 6-6 six and six season for Florida fans may – may not be that bad of a season for them because they're probably not expecting much anyway. Yeah, the schedule's tough. You you play Ole Miss and LSU out of the West. That's not too kind to you. But you look at the road games at Kentucky, at Missouri, at LSU, at South Carolina, that's pretty tough. Well, let me say this, being that I am in the state of Florida, and I do deal with Florida fans on a daily basis as much as I dislike it. There is some optimism in Gainesville because they're hoping the offense can turn around because of what McIlwain did at Colorado State. Um, And, you know, Will Breyer was a highly recruited uh, high school quarterback, supposed to be good. You know, they obviously got running backs, and they got two of the highly recruited offensive linemen. Now, the problem is their offensive linemen had a lot of injuries. So there is some optimism. But if Florida goes 6-6 six and six 
and let's say they win their bowl game, fans will feel comfortable. If they don't make the bowl game this year, you're gonna you're gonna see some real ugliness come out of there, almost to the point where the athletic director might get fired over it. Oh wow! Uh, but well, I'm yeah, we're about to. But McElwain, one thing about him, he is a good offensive mind. He has a good track record in the SEC, being the coordinator at Alabama. So, so we'll see. I mean, you, winning at Colorado State's a little different than winning at Florida. You can you can breeze by some of these no name teams with no defenses, and and you know your coaching matters. But in the SEC, every coach is great. I mean, every defensive coordinator is is good, and the players are good. It's a lot different. I just look at Florida, how anemic they were last year. I see no playmakers on this team besides Demarcus Robinson on offense. I mean, the defense is good. You have Hargraves out there. I mean, he's he's one of the best in the country. Brian Poole, not a bad player as well. So, so we'll see. Everybody, Cuervo and Quinn have them going to bowl games. Jonathan and I have them. Uh, watching the bowl games from the comfort of, of the swamp. They'll be watching it for Christmas. Uh, so let's move on to the Tennessee Volunteers, another team in the SEC that, you know, they had the same record just about as Florida last year. But I watched Tennessee when Dobbs came in. They, he came in against Alabama when they were down and, and made it a game. And he had some great numbers. That offensive line seemed to start gelling better with Dobbs. The whole team started playing together you know, a lot better. And now you have a team that, that's not full of just freshmen now. They're full of sophomore and juniors, a couple of seniors. Uh, Butch Jones has these guys ready. And when I, when I compare these two teams, there's no comparison with Tennessee and Florida. I think there's a, a big difference between the Tennessee Volunteers this year. I look at quarterback play, Dobbs, by far. He could be one of the best in the East at quarterback. I think he probably will be the best quarterback in the East. You have Hurd and Kamara running back. Mark West North is back. Tig Howard and Von Pearson from the receivers. You have Barnett, a defensive end. Maggot, they combined for 21 sacks last year. Cameron Sutton, the corner. I mean, these guys, and not only are they talented, look at the recruiting, but the Cuervo, I'll start with you. Look at the passion these Tennessee Volunteers play with. I mean, there's several games they should have won last year. This could easily have been a 9-win team. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, they, a lot of a lot of games could have gone either way, you know, like you said, and and but um, you know the difference this year, uh, you know, like you said, they're a little more experienced, and um, I don't know, what, I don't know uh, what the situation it was with Von Pearson, but last I heard, he's not on the team anymore. Uh, he was involved in a lot of the uh, uh, the uh, you know bad bad stuff that happened over there with the. Uh, misconduct and all of that and and uh i think i'm pretty sure i read that coach jones kicked him off the team but i yeah. could be wrong but uh, he did i think he did yeah i just remembered it from last year and i forgot he did get kicked off yeah so i mean that and and it hurts you know it hurts that uh you know they're going to be down a guy like that but like you said we still you know still got north and you still have um pig howard so um you know and and from what i'm reading and from from you know, what people are saying uh, that, uh, you know, as far as North is concerned, they, and, and this may be a little far-fetched, I mean, to, to compare him to a guy like Julio Jones in college, I think that's that's a little too much. Maybe they're trying to oversell on him. 
Uh, but do I think he's going to be a good quality receiver? Yeah, and and maybe I could compare him to a guy that played at volunteer, uh, you know, in Tennessee, who uh, now plays for the New Orleans Saints. A guy in Robert Meacham. I mean, I think I think he's a guy like I can maybe see him as a guy like Meacham, who has the size and he has good speed. He's got you know the hands that you're looking for, uh, good jumping ability, and get you know, go up there and get the ball. But you know what what he has is another year under his belt because I think North is going to be a, I think he's a redshirt sophomore now, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, that, that is big for, for Tennessee, a guy like that, that can, that is getting those comparisons, you know, but uh, I, I just don't know if I'm ready to compare him to a guy like Julio Jones yet, but I mean, kids got some challenge though. Well, Josh Malone, the receiver, he'll be a good number three you know, instead of Vaughn yeah. Pearson. But you have Dobbs that can make it happen with his legs, too, which, which opens a lot of, of avenues up for these receivers. Running backs tied in. I like Ethan Wolf. He's a sophomore. But, Jonathan, let's look at the offensive line of Tennessee. I mean, these guys, three seniors anchor it. Uh, they have a sophomore, Jason Robertson, at, at right guard that started. And then the only one starter they don't have coming back is the right tackle, Coleman Thomas. You look at the quarterback and the offensive line, that's a good starting point for Tennessee. It really is, and that was one of the things when I did my preseason prediction for them that I took into consideration. This is going to be a fantastic offensive line. Um, Deshaun Robertson was, was great at right guard. He really was last year. And having three seniors, including at center and left tackle, is huge for this team. Um, getting Marquez North back from injury, he was the best player in North Carolina when Tennessee got it. You know, and that, that's huge. You know, Pig Howard, I think, is a very good player. Jalen Hurts is a good running back. Dobbs is a game-changing quarterback. This is an offense that I expect big things out of this year. Um, you know, all things considering, this might be the best offense they've had in a while. And, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, and to think about it, I have to reach back to, to Fulmer's day and, you know, more like the early parts of, you know, the 2000s to think of an offense that, has not only as much hype around it, but almost as much talent. I mean, yeah, you look at the Jonathan Crompton days, and even when Arian Foster was there, and you were like, oh, well, there was a lot of talent there. Well, I get that, but this looks like a cohesive unit. And on defense, it looks like they're going to be another, a unit that is going to come and make some noise. So this Tennessee roster looks good. Rich Jones has done a great job. I'm very excited for Tennessee this year. I really am. Yeah, and, and the defense returning eight starters, I believe. I mean, that's that's a lot. I mean, some of these guys that, you know, even the starters are getting beat out by freshmen. You look at Khalil McKenzie, a freshman, is projected to be the starter defensive tackle, replacing Danny O'Brien, a junior. I mean, it's see, the freshman, he's going to come in here and the linebacker, Dylan Bates. That concerns me a little bit, the linebacker play of Tennessee, but Maven's back. But I, I look at this team, guys, and let's go through the schedule. We have three on the panel right here, and it will kind of give us a, a good idea of what to expect. In September, this is a, a, this is make-or-break month for Tennessee football right here, guys. Bowling Green, um, starting out with that one. Oklahoma, they host Oklahoma the following week, Western Carolina, and then they go to Florida. So, Cuervo, I'll start with you. Since you're the big Tennessee Volunteer fan, what do you think the month of September is going to be like? I'm going to win them all. 
No, uh, no, I think they'll lose to, as much as I hate to say it, as much as I'd love to see them beat Oklahoma, I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I, I mean, I'd love to see them win that game uh-huh. in Knoxville with the checkerboard. It just, uh-huh. I just don't know if they're ready for, for a team like Oklahoma yet. And may, maybe I'm overthinking Oklahoma because, you know, they're just they're Oklahoma, but um, you know, I remember what they did to Tennessee last year, and uh, you know, it it makes me up, it makes me wake up with you know sweating. But you know, that's the only game I see them losing in the month of September is to the Sooners, and so so I'm gonna say three and one in September. All right, Quinn, what do you think for September? Four and zero. All right, Jonathan. I'm gonna say four and zero as well. Um, you know, Bowling Green's going to be a big test for Tennessee's defense. Their offense can actually get up and down the field pretty fast. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the defense handles them. Uh, you know, cut, you know, first game out the gate, especially with it being, you know, in Nashville, and, you know, it's not in Neyland. So, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Um, it's not a big test, obviously. But for the defense, it's going to be a good, let's see how they can handle, you know, a team trying to hurry up and fly on them. And then, I, I think after with Oklahoma, Oklahoma's a different team in Norman than they are on the road. I think that needs to be put out there. Um, so I, I think Tennessee can get it done in Neyland, and then I think they're going to go down to Florida and beat them. Because I've been waiting for Tennessee to beat Florida, but I can't tell you how long I'm getting sick of them losing that game. They're going to win it this year, gosh darn it. Yeah, 4-0 for Tennessee. I think Oklahoma will be a game that will surprise a lot of people. Tennessee may win that game by 10 points or more. I think they go into Florida. Butch Jones, I think that game is stuck in his crawl for a while now. He's going to send a message. Tennessee's 4-0 after September, and there's a lot of chatter going on. They're in the top 25. They could be up in the top 15 by then. You never know what could happen. But October is a killer month. If they can make it past October here, they have a shot to not only win the SEC East, but contend for the SEC championship. That's how wide open the SEC is this year. And Cuervo, they start October 3rd. They host Arkansas. The next week they host Georgia. Uh, then they have a bye week and they head to Tuscaloosa. And then the following week they go to Kentucky. Now that's a tough four-game skid right there. What do you think? Uh, again, Tartman, I'm going to say they lose one game. Obviously, that's going to be against Alabama. Um, it's going to be a tough game, though. I, th- I think the game that's going to be tough, though, it, it, a lot of people would think, oh, you're probably talking about Georgia. But, no, I'm actually talking about Arkansas. I think Arkansas is going to be a little bit better than people realize. So I, that's the game that's got me nervous in the month of October, aside from, obviously, going to Tuscaloosa. So um, I think I – think, and I hope that Tennessee finds a way to, to pull that game out and uh, maybe win by a field goal at the last second or something like that against Arkansas. So, again, I'm going to say 3-1 and one for the month of October. All right, Quinn. I'm going 3-1 and one with the loss at Alabama. All right, Jonathan. I'm going to have them going 3-1 and one with a loss at Alabama. That being um, – their first real, real tough test on the road. I don't know if they can go down there and get it done. Uh, it, it ought to be a better game than it has been in years past. If anything showed last year that Tennessee can probably hang around with them for a little bit, 
I agree with Corbo, though. That Arkansas game is a very, very tough game. Luckily, they have that at home. I think they can get that done. And for some reason, it seems like they have Georgia's number. They can beat Georgia. Um, so I, I think I think they I think they're actually take care of Georgia, but that should be another fun one. That should be another shootout that like it has in the past couple of years. Yeah, I'm gonna go three and one. Alabama, Arkansas could be tricky, but hey, if Alabama struggles at the quarterback play right now, Tennessee's rolling. You gotta think if Tennessee comes into Tuscaloosa six and zero, and Alabama's having some struggles, maybe they lost a game or so. But that could be. I mean, it could happen. So we're looking at three and one right now, guys. And this is um, that's seven and one that all of us have. Cuervo has them six and two at the moment. Um, seven and one right now, heading into November. They host South Carolina. They host North Texas. They go to Missouri and they host Vanderbilt. Guys, I'm gonna start it. I, I see them four and zero in November. I mean, this is a Tennessee team that could finish 11-1. and I mean, that's how good this team is. Jonathan, what do you think? I'm going to have them going 3-1 and one in November, and I struggled with this. Um, with, and, and the game specific was the Missouri game. I yeah. think we're under, I think there's a, people are underselling Missouri a little bit. Now, granted, they are a top 25 team, and they should be. They've won that division two years in a row. They've proven they're an excellent team. They've proven they can produce pass rushes like nobody's business. And I think it's tough to play out there. I think Missouri wins a close one there. Tennessee finishes a very respectable 10-2, and 6-2 and two in the conference. But 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 if they go 6-2 and two in the conference, 10-2, and two, they're going to win the East. If they beat Georgia, yeah. they're going to win the East. Uh, exactly. And that's a big thing there. That Missouri game is going to have a lot riding on it, a, a whole lot riding on it. And I, even if they lose a game, I think they still win the East. And that's a big thing here. Tennessee wins the East. They might not win that SEC championship game, but to even get to Atlanta is a huge accomplishment for them considering where they've been the past couple of years. Now, Cuervo, where do you have them going in November? Uh, I, 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 think they, I think they run the table in November. Uh, and, you know, like Jonathan said, the, I think the toughest game for them is going to be at Missouri. Um, and, and it sounds silly, but I think it, it also depends. A big part of that depends on what time of day is that game being played. Because as we all know, uh, you know, night games on the road are always dangerous for, I don't care what team you are, um, night games on the road are always a tough task uh, to accomplish. So, you know, Missouri being a, a, a ranked team like they are, it, it's going to be tough for Tennessee to go in there and win at, at at nighttime, but if it's a road, if it's a daytime game, I think Tennessee will be just fine. But I think either way, the ball will find a way to win. Quinn? Uh, I have them going 3-1 and one and losing to Missouri, and I can tell you right now, and I thought before I got into conference predictions, I had Tennessee winning the East, but with the way Missouri's schedule is, I have the Missouri, I am Missouri going ten and two also with the tiebreaker over Tennessee and Missouri going to the SEC championship game again. Wow, good prediction. I mean, and, and here we are talking about a Tennessee team, and every one of us has them going ten and two, eleven and one. It's hard to sit here and say eleven and one for this Tennessee team. And they, I mean, even ten and two would be. I think nine and three is about the worst this team will do. I think ten and two is about where, you know, we'll get them into the SEC championship. If they go to eleven and one, guys, 
if they're eleven and one and they're playing a Western team and they win, they're in the playoffs. I mean, Tennessee could make the playoff this year because of what they have coming back in Dobbs and Dobbs and I have a lot of faith in Bush Jones. I know people probably are sitting there thinking that we're on crack or something, but all four of us have them at least going ten and two. And in the East, if you look back at the history, ten and two is good enough to get you into that SEC championship. I'm not a big believer in Missouri this year. Um, but I think it's Georgia or Tennessee's race, and I think Georgia with their quarterback struggles. I mean, you're having to get a backup quarterback from Virginia to come in. That's how bad it is. Tennessee, uh, Georgia has a good offensive line, but God forbid Nick Chubb go down. You know, Sonny, Sonny Michelle, whatever his name is, he's a good running back, but he can't carry the boat. The Georgia defense should be improved, but their schedule's tough. So, guys, I mean, are we all in agreement besides Quinn that Tennessee wins the SEC East this year? That would, be, would, that would be beautiful to see. That would be beautiful to see, guys. I'd love to see Tennessee get back there. Um, you know, and, and based on what my prediction for their record is, uh, I think they will represent the East in the SEC championship game. Um, will they win it? Eh, not so much. But just to see them make it, I think, is going to be uh, another brick in that in that building wall that, that Butch Jones always talk, talks about as far as brick by brick. And, you know, that would be a huge brick to lay uh, and for that foundation. So uh, I think they I think it's very realistic that they do it this year. And the recruiting, what it would mean for recruiting. But if, mm-hmm. I'd like to see Auburn, I'd like to see Auburn and Tennessee play in that SEC championship game. That would be a phenomenal matchup. Two offenses like that. Um, I mean, it would be fun. My family, some of them Tennessee fans. I'm Auburn. We have some Alabama, but Auburn and Tennessee would remind me back of that '04 SEC championship game where it was just a phenomenal shootout. And Auburn won that game by ten, but it was a great. A great matchup. But, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to cut it off right here. Uh, well, hold on a minute. I have to ask Cuervo real quick. Cuervo, Russell Wilson, you you said I was hating on Russell Wilson, but do you really think he's worth that kind of money? I was I was, I was was teasing you, Tarvin, because uh, I, I, I heard okay. you say how everybody thinks that you're a hater. So, so I threw that comment in there <laughs> stop being a hater. But, no, I mean, okay. honestly, though um, – that's a huge jump. I mean, he went from what 1.5 million or 2 million to now he's making 21. And I get it. You know, he's got them the two straight Super Bowls, and, and they won the, the the one against Denver and, and whatnot. But I mean, are we really going to turn a blind eye to the fact that a big part of the reason why they made it to those two Super Bowls is because of that phenomenal defense that they have? Are we really going to sit here and turn a blind eye to that? I mean, I think you're foolish if you do that. So. Um, I think making a jump that big, you, you know, you know who's uh, happy about that is uh, is a guy like Andrew Luck, whose rookie contract is going to be up next year. So him seeing Russell Wilson get the money that he got, he's shaking his head like, "Yes, congratulations, Russell! Now it's going to be my turn next year to maybe even break that twenty-five million dollar mark." So, uh, but you know, as far as is he worth that right now? I would say I would say maybe more like fifteen. I think he's where it should be paid. But, yeah. You know. Well, I'm I, not think, I think Andrew Luck's going to gonna be the highest. I think Andrew Luck's going to be the highest paid player in the NFL after next year. 
and that's what I'm saying. You know, after after uh, you know he saw that deal get done, uh, he was he was probably the happiest man on earth because he knows after next year, if they make it back to the AFC Championship or or if they even represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, I think if they can get that far, uh, that's a lock. I mean, you know, Andrew Luck can go ahead and and you know. He can go ahead and dream about, you know, have 25 million reasons to wake up in the morning. So, you know, that's that's really what I think. I think that's the number that he's going to get. If he can get that Colts team to the Super Bowl this year, you know, look for Andrew Luck to get about that much. Well, all right, guys. Well, we're going to head out of here, and we're going to try to do a Wednesday night show this week. I'll let everybody know. If not, we'll be back Sunday night at 830 p.m. Eastern Time. The guys, great talk tonight. I'm sure we'll get a lot of feedback on our Tennessee prediction, but that's okay. I like to be right. I don't care about what people think. I just want to be right. But Jonathan, Cuervo, Quinn, Jason, thanks for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next week. God bless. All right, y'all. All right. Appreciate you having me on.